0: hello and welcome to another episode of film spill a movie night podcast i'm jackie and i'm chelsea and if you don't already know film spill usually comes out every thursday And we talk about a movie by a female filmmaker every episode.
1: We discuss women in the entertainment industry in general, and we also play slumber party type games, spilling entertainment gossip, and getting to know each other.
0: Today, our main topic is Penny Marshall's 1988 fantasy comedy, Big. But first, it's time for a game of Guess Which Director? The directors we're going to be talking about are directors from all the films that we've discussed so far. So Vera Hitalova from Daisies, Celine Siama from Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Dee Rees from Pariah, Karn Kusama from The Invitation, and Jennifer's Body. And by the way, the episode on Jennifer's Body will be out next week. And then also Lulu Wang from The Farewell. So we thought it could be fun. We'll just give some little fun facts and we'll try to pair the, or Chelsea will try to pair the director to the fun fact because I did the game. Um, so, and also if you've been listening along, you can play along as well. So that's all the more fun.
1: I think I already know some of these. Oh yeah, I'm so ready to get quizzed. Because this tests my skills at if I like actually paid attention. So I hope I actually paid attention.
0: (laughs) If you actually remember like stuff that you looked up yourself. All right. So question number one. Which of these directors also directed the 2000 film Girl Fight?
1: I have to know this one. And it is Karen Kusama.
0: Yes, ding, ding, ding. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, I have
1: to know that one.
0: (laughs) Because that's one of your favorite movies, right?
1: Yes, so if I don't know that, that's pretty sad.
0: I put it at the top because I'm like, I got to get her started out with a win so we get the good energy going. Exactly, yes. I have to win the first round.
1: (laughs) No doubt about it. All right, bring me the next question. Let's go. Let's go, go. rapid fire.
0: (laughs) Question number two which of these directors is slash was a classically trained pianist and studied music in college? Lulu motherfucking wang. <laughs>
1: so just kidding. Yes, Lulu <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> yes!
0: Yeah just like Billy in um the farewell, Lulu Wang is also a classically trained pianist. All right, question number three: Which of these directors is slash was a founder of the Fifty Fifty by Twenty Twenty movement, which seeks to create gender parity on film sets? Vera. Mm, incorrect. Really? The oh, answer no. is.
1: I know it's okay. <laughs> The yeah. answer... <laughs> it's okay i'm being dramatic
0: the answer is celine siama ah i was yeah, so from close Portugal, really, yeah. it's okay was a go question number four which of these directors does not slash did not see her films as feminist
1: well, this one i think is in between two directors that i'm thinking i'm thinking okay so vera hitalova i think or i think it's karen kusama with jennifer's body not necessarily the imitation. so am i right in between the two i just have to guess which one but it's either one right every-
0: if we were doing like 50 50 <laughs> on um Who Wants to be a Millionaire, yes, those would be your two that we had we had kept. Yes. I
1: know, I know it's one of these ladies. Okay. I think it's uh, Vera Hitalova. Ding ding ding. Yay!
0: Ding, 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 ding. Yep. Yeah, she was kinda like it's more of a personal expression of a like being dissatisfied with the way that women are treated in society but it's like isn't that feminism but whatever I'm not gonna she'd want to classify her. as a yeah and get that i guess whatever bro um okay so question number five which of these directors is slash was from nashville tennessee
1: d Reeves.
0: Yes, ding, 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 we Yay. talked about that because uh, she set her movie in New York, at least when we watched Pariah in New York, even though she's from Nashville. Question number six, which of these directors is set to direct a new Dracula movie for Blumhouse? Karen
1: Kusama.
0: Yes. Ding, 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 I'm on a roll, <laughs> I think I got
1: one so far wrong.
0: Yeah. Doing good. Audience, checking in with you guys. How are you doing? Oh, okay. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I feel ya. I feel ya. <laughs> if you're on the Chelsea streak, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, are you with Chelsea? Are you playing along at home? Are you learning? Okay. Question number seven. Which of these directors directed the film Mudbound, which received four Oscar nominations.
1: Oh my
0: god! I don't know who this one.
1: I'm, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. No, Celine Siama.
0: That is incorrect, unfortunately. Oh, I guess. Yeah. The <laughs> director was Dee Reese.
1: Damn, I did her dirty that time. I guess I didn't do my history <laughs> like
0: I thought I did. It's okay, it's okay. All right, question number eight. Which of these directors attended a university called FAMU? I feel like that's our second episode.
1: Maybe it is Celine. Maybe this time it is. Uh, Final answer? uh, Is that your final answer? (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. I think it is Celine this time.
0: Incorrect, it is. (laughs) I've been defeated. No, it's okay. You were on a roll. It's okay. We'll get back. We'll get back. Um, Vera Hitolova attended FAMU. Um, I knew it was our fucking first or
1: second episode.
0: (laughs) It's the Prague School for Performing Arts and Film or something like that. And it was the um, alma mater of a lot of the directors of the Czech New Wave movement. So there you go.
1: Mm, That makes sense to me now.
0: I remember. (laughs) It's all coming back. It's all coming
1: back. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I got some right.
0: No worries. We got two more. I think you can get these two. I think you can get these two.
1: I don't know because I'm looking at them now. I'm like, I don't (laughs)
0: know. (laughs) Okay. I'm believing you. Okay. Question number nine. Which of these directors told the story that would become her film on the radio show, This American Life?
1: Oh yeah, I know this one. This is Lulu Wang or Lulu Wang.
0: Hell yeah. Lulu motherfucking Wong. Wong. (laughs) That's right.
1: Motherfucking Wong. (laughs) That's the only one that I feel like I can say that for. Like, I don't know.
0: It just goes so perfectly together. It flows. I love it exactly all right question number 10 the final question which of these directors had previously been in a relationship with one of her leads before filming okay so this
1: one is (laughs) Celine
0: Sciamma yes ding 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 that is correct she was in a relationship with the girl with
1: the blonde hair I forget her name
0: she was in a relationship with Adele Hynell before filming the on fire so but they weren't together during all right well that is the end of the game very nice job chelsea i know there were some tough ones in there some more obscure type of questions so i think you did well all right let's get on with the show audience how did you do let us know today we're going to be talking about
1: big So before we get into discussing the film, we're gonna mention that there will be spoilers in our discussion and that it is available to watch on Disney+, Plus, Prime Video, and Google Play. The summary of the movie is after A Wish turns 12-year-old Josh Baskin into a 30-year-old man. He heads to New York City and gets a low-level job at Macmillan Toy Company a chance encounter with the owner of the company leads to a promotion testing new toys. Soon, a fellow employee, Susan Lawrence, takes a romantic interest in Josh. However, the pressure of living as an adult begins to overwhelm him, and he longs to return to his simple former life as a boy. And that is from Rotten Tomatoes.
0: So, what did you think of this movie? Had you seen it before? I know. Um... Chelsea's girlfriend, Casey, was the one who suggested that we watch this film. Yeah,
1: so shout out to my girlfriend, Casey. I like the story concept. It reminded me of Freaky Friday with, you know, Mm, being in a different body. So I did have that like type of vibe while watching the film. I feel like a lot of uh, movies during that time had similar concepts. But I feel like because it was 1988, that was like the beginning because Freaky Friday didn't come out until the 2000s. 13 Going on 30, that's like another movie that's similar concept. That's my first encounter that I had with the story that had to do with her changing into like an older version of herself. And that's exactly what happened in Big. He just transformed into an older version of himself and he was in his 30s. And thirteen going on thirty. This was a 30, 13 year old boy. Like it's literally the same yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how did they? Or they just like it's big, but she's a girl. Like, what? What was that pitch? Like, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <but laughs> I think um, there was a movie. I don't think it did that well. I didn't see it um, called Little recently. Where? Oh yeah, yeah. Did you a girl, hear that girl 20- pitched it. Really? She was the executive producer on that shoe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't want to diss her. Um, <laughs> You'll have to see it now. Yeah, I thought it was a really sweet and funny movie, and I remember watching it um, years ago. I don't even know if I saw all of it, um, but I remember I really liked it back then. But what I didn't remember about this movie is that a grown woman basically... She doesn't know that she is, but she basically sleeps with someone who is 13 years old um and i don't know if that like you know i guess it was a different time 1988 doesn't mean it was right but it just made me feel really like icky and kind of put a little bit of like gave the film a different tone and it was like very strange to like have this super upbeat like quirky film and it's like oh yeah like they had sex and I didn't really feel like that was necessary to the story like I think they could have just gone on a few dates and it still would have been the same thing like uh, but it just the implications for that are like really disturbing honestly I don't know if that was like a discussion when the film came out or what but um I mean if I if I look past that I really like the movie and it's like really fun and kind of like wistful and there's some really great acting and writing but (laughs) that one scene i was like "Ooh, this makes me feel feel really weird well yeah i don't think that they needed
1: to go down the route where they show that they had sex especially that scene where he's like about to touch her boob and this is like such a big time because he's this 13 year old boy being able to touch boobs for the first time like yeah that's awkward it was an awkward scene to watch and it's this grown man in this mentality of this young boy when this film big came out this was rated pg but yet we see the grasp of the food boob like she takes off her shirt and like she clearly won sex after the first date, like, which is kind of wrong to think about that they're putting this woman under this category that she's like craving sex from this man that she just met. But also like, I feel like she was also trying to get his attention in a different way because she was trying to like move up in the company or whatever the case may be. It was company drama vibes. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what I took from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really liked kind of what the film was saying or what i interpreted it to be saying it's like not a very hard film to to read into but like as we grow up we kind of lose touch with our inner child and these people are working at this toy company but they take it so seriously like they're really not having any fun and tom hanks's character we should mention the lead actor for this film is tom hanks we haven't even said that yet um but Tom Hanks' character, Josh, comes in and he has this different perspective because he's a 13 year old and that's very appealing to his boss. It's very appealing to Susan because he is not like anybody who she works with, you know, and so I can, I can kind of see, like, she thought he was an adult and she's like, oh, here's an adult who hasn't lost touch with his inner child. But actually, he's really a child. So I don't know. I don't know that um, it had to go, we had to have that sex scene. That was really uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) There was like a lot of funny scenes though because he is like this like 13-year-old boy in this like 30-year-old man's body. So um, it was funny to see how he like would react to certain things or what, what the dialogue was.
0: Yeah, I thought it was written really well. Like I don't think it like, Hit you over the head with that like it wasn't every two seconds like oh we're making a joke about how he's a kid but. Um, I think it was done really cleverly in that way, like the writing and when we talk about the background of the film, which I guess we can get into the background of the film, do you want to. yeah let's do it. Do that okay um well the one thing I was just gonna say um, right there was that Tom Hanks obviously is an amazing actor, as we know. But a little fun fact that I found out when I was researching was that um David Moscow, who plays young Josh, acted out all the scenes that Tom Hanks was going to be in first as himself. and then they recorded it, and Hanks used those recordings as reference for his own acting. So he would know like how a thirteen year old would move in that situation.
1: That's crazy. That's why he's so good. He still does that today, though. He did that with his recent film. What's the name? Oh, Mr.
0: Rogers.
1: Oh, yeah, Mr. Rogers. He did that with Mr. Rogers. He really studied the character for that movie.
0: Yeah, he's I mean, obviously, it's no secret that Tom Hanks is amazing. But I like that little little fact. And I think he also really got to know um, David Moscow and Jared Rushton, who played Billy. It's our second movie in a row with somebody named Billy. I just realized that. There's mm-hmm. uh, a lot of billies out there. But um well so many billies. Of every gender and every mm-hmm. time period. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he got to know the um he got to know the actor who played Billy and the actor who played young Josh very well too and kind of bonded with them, which I thought was really sweet.
1: So some more background on the film. Upon release, Big was met with wide critical acclaim, particularly for Hanks' performance. Tom Hanks won a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, and was also nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars. It was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. The film was written by Gary Ross and Ann Spielberg. Steven Spielberg's sister it also did very well at the box office it got 151 million dollars worldwide had a production budget of only 18 million the first film directed by a woman to gross more than 100 million at the U.S. box office so that's huge Mm -hmm. like who knows Penny Marshall to be the first woman to gross more than 100 million dollars at the box office that's some facts that needs to be noted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And she was, I watched an interview with her, I think on the Today Show from like around when um, Big had come out and she was super humble and she was even like self-deprecating, you know, she was kind of like, yeah, I guess, like she seemed very, um, I don't know, like she didn't know how to handle that fact, which I guess I don't know how I would either. This film also really launched Tom Hanks into superstardom. Um, it showed that he was a major box office draw and also was a critical favorite. And Steven Spielberg was originally set to direct Big, but left the project when his son was born. Um, and lots of actors, um, well-known actors, were considered for the roles of Josh before Tom Hanks was cast. Although those screenwriters wrote the script with Tom Hanks in mind. And he originally turned down the film because he was busy with other projects. But Kevin Costner, Steve Guttenberg, Warren Beatty, and Dennis Quaid were all offered the role but turned it down. And John Travolta was interested in the role, but for whatever reason, the studio wouldn't cast him. Um, and Robert De Niro was originally cast as Josh. He was going to be like, this street smart kid from the Bronx, apparently. But he dropped out of the film and was replaced by Tom Hanks, who was now available to play Josh.
1: Wow, they kept swapping people there. They just didn't know what they wanted. They wanted Tom Hanks, but Tom Hanks just wasn't getting on the project.
0: Yeah, it took them um, like a year, I think, to cast it. Wow. but they finally got they finally got him because it was like like okay we can't have tom hanks who we're we looking for who we're we looking for it's like nope you're just chasing that white whale man you want tom hanks <laughs> so
1: yeah exactly good <laughs> job they kept wanting. hey they got what they wanted so that's what happens you just have to keep manifesting it
0: yeah yeah and it worked
1: out so penny Marsh, who was a director actor and producer she rose to fame as laverne in the sitcom laverne and shirley she also directed jumping jack flash in 1986 awakenings which was also nominated for the academy award for best picture a league of their own 1992 renaissance man 1994 the preacher's wife 1996 and riding in cars with boys 2001. In the interview, Marshall said she never says cut. She just lets the camera roll because good things come out of it sometimes. I feel like I do that sometimes too, but maybe because I forget to like stop rolling that that's why I do it. (laughs) But there are some good shots if you just leave. Kids love it for bloopers, but honestly, it's just like, just some extra B roll.
0: Yeah, I mean, she is a legend, Penny Marshall. Like, I didn't realize she had directed A League of Their Own but that's really cool. Maybe we'll have to watch that at some point um, because that's iconic as well. But yeah, she honestly just seemed like a very nice person um, and was very humble, which I appreciated. I mean, I guess there's something to say for like women discounting themselves, you know? But she definitely was not full of herself, which was really nice. And um, she kind of said like she always felt kind of stressed on set which I related to a lot and she was never like super peppy or like a cheerleader on set she was just kind of like okay next scene you know she wasn't um very high energy which is nice because like you don't have to put on if that's not who you are
1: yeah she's not putting on a show she's being straightforward but I think those are the best type of people who are just straightforward about who they are and just accept themselves like you're you're gonna take it or leave it type of mentality that's how i am i'm like you take it or leave it yeah (laughs) let's get into the cinematography i really i saw that you saw the carnival but i noticed the carnival scene as well i thought that was really well shot i like that that reminded me of like a a carnival picture that you would see with like the lights ringing and like the background have you seen those like still shots a, like a moving carnival or like a I think it's a moving mm-hmm. ferris wheel image that's what it reminded me of yeah like a beach ferris wheel image that you would get on a boardwalk
0: yeah that's true yeah it has this very like playful um I couldn't really tell if like it was be- just because it was shot in the 80s and so it already had that look and for me it seemed nostalgic or if it was like actually filmed to feel nostalgic, I guess, I don't know. But um, it has very soft and warm lighting. And like we said, the color palette, um, it's very vibrant, but um, in a um, inviting way, like a toy store or like a carnival, like it's um, sweet and like kind of innocent.
1: Yeah, and that was the type of feel that they were trying to come across. It was like a kid's film. You wanted to feel like a child when you watched this film because you were getting it from a child's perspective
0: yeah definitely although it was like it's funny because i really do think that pg meant something totally different in the 80s than it does now because like a kid says fuck like <laughs> there's obviously the boob touching um there's a lot in the movie that is not wouldn't be considered pg today
1: yeah, and there was, like, reasonings behind each shot, I feel like. You noticed his friend was always around. So where are the parents in this, in this aspect? Because you do see the best friend um, connecting with his mom, but you also see him in his home setting because they try to explain to you why it is that he has all this time, and that's that his home life isn't good. So they reflect on the idea that, like, not everyone has a great home relationship or a great home life. And that's why his parents don't care that he's out doing God knows what, because his parents don't really worry about what he's doing, period. If that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Billy um is a really interesting character. And he yeah, he's like, oh, don't worry, because um, basically he and Josh Decided to go to New York to try to find the Zoltar machine that Josh made a wish on. To he said, "I I want to be big. I wish I was big." And they try to find the Zoltar machine to turn him back. That's the whole, you know, um,
1: the just the movie. Story
0: arc, right? Um, and so. Uh, The Billy is always saying, Oh, don't worry, I'll I'll skip school you know, like it doesn't really seem like he's worried about um what his parents will think or that they'll be worried about him. And we kind of it's it's funny because Billy, in a way, is more grown up than Josh. In this scene when Josh checks into this really sketchy motel and then Billy is like, Oh, I gotta go home He's like, Don't worry, you know, you'll be all right, trying to reassure him. And he tells him to use the chain on his door. So he's he's kind of a almost a parent to Josh, which is made even like the dichotomy between like this little kid sort of parenting this 30, like seeming 30-year-old guy. And then at the end too, he kind of reassures Josh's mom. And he's like, don't worry, he's coming back soon. It's going to be okay. So I guess we we um. Got a little bit out of the cinematography there, but...
1: Yeah, because I feel like there was a lot of shots where you see Billy, or like Billy becomes an important aspect of like the story, and he does play this parent figure, but I think that you see that in his home life, that he does play this parent figure when he's like feeding them mashed potatoes and dinner, that he's upholding the same responsibilities with josh because josh has no idea josh has a different home life where his parents are very attentive of him and they're obviously very you know worried not saying that they wouldn't be worried about billy's well-being you know you don't know that but it's very it's still a very different family dynamic
0: yeah for sure when
1: i was watching it i just felt how unrealistic the story was i just kept telling that to myself (laughs) Like I just kept saying that in my head, because there's no way that this kid could magically get this interview with like (laughs) a messed up resume in New York City. Like I guess now in the like this era, right? And then be caught in this toy store that his boss so happens to go to as well. Do this piano thing, which is pretty cool. obviously that's choreographed there's no way that they could pull that off from just you know having this one-time encounter right and then he gets this promotion and he's making bank and can afford this nice ass apartment in new york and buy himself like a bunch of shit When his paycheck initially was like $100. (laughs) That's
0: true. But he got promoted to like vice president of development of toys or something. So at least, you know, we're supposed to believe. But there is, I mean, it's so much. It's a fantasy movie, obviously. The premise relies on magic. But, you know, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in this film. But it makes it fun. You know, I, I appreciate it.
1: I just wish that happened to me. Like, I wish that I could have gotten a job interview, gotten hired on the spot like that, made bank, got a good-ass apartment in New York City, gotten a bunch of, like, a Pepsi machine, a trampoline, (laughs) and a bunk bed. Like, what more can you ask for?
0: Maybe you got to find a Zoltar machine.
1: Maybe. You know?
0: There are a couple shots that really stood out to me. Um, the first one being the shot that reveals that Josh is a fully grown man. Um, so I liked how the camera panned up to the top bunk of his bunk bed, and we just see him swing his legs over the side, and it's like, wait, those are not a 13-year-old's feet. It kind of it kind of draws it out and makes us wait for it, it makes it feel important, makes it feel fun and then i love probably my favorite shot of the movie was from outside of josh's apartment when he and susan are jumping on the trampoline Mm,
1: i just thought it was super
0: fun and really nice um really pretty
1: my favorite shots would have to be the carnival shots i i really did Mm -hmm. admire that maybe because i'm like i love the carnival and i love just seeing like the flashing colors of things Maybe that's why I was so fascinated by those shots, but they were really well done and I really also enjoyed the very final scene where he's getting transformed into his younger self again and he's waving off to his older girlfriend like bye this is who I actually am but. The scene just reminds me of fall here in New York City and just how it looks like and it's so nice and the colors are so warm and and it makes me excited for fall because we're almost there.
0: So yeah, Mm -hmm. I really like
1: that final scene.
0: Yeah, this tree outside my window has some yellow leaves already. So it's coming. It's coming. Mm -hmm. It's coming very soon before we know it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The music, not too much to say. I think it felt like a very classic score for a 1980s, 1990s comedy or rom-com, you know, orchestral, big swells, you know, kind of like spooky music when he's um, looking at the Zoltar machine and stuff. And then costume-wise, I noticed that Josh's clothes, especially at the beginning, well, as an adult, are always a lot more brightly colored than the other adults that he's around, especially the other adults who he's working with. And as time goes on, he loses some of the color in his outfits, which is like, you know, I think supposed to be representative of him losing touch with his inner child in a way. But You see that
1: in his character too, he gets consumed by his work life and he then that's when he starts putting billy on hold and then billy is like is it more important than your best friend but that's know. such a like a child thing thing to
0: say but he's right so billy gets the address of where the zoltar machine is gonna be and he's like he comes into his office he's like here i have it like this is it and then um josh is on the phone he's like can you um wait till lunch or like can you see I'm busy here which you know is a very grown up corporate thing to say but yeah he gets caught up in the in the in the rat race a little bit and it's like he doesn't even remember that he's still a kid exactly so the first shot that we see is his computer screen his like super old computer screen and he's playing this video game basically and it's like there's this ice wizard and it asks like how do you defeat him and it's one of those games where you have to like type in your response and then your character will do that or like it'll calculate whether or not that'll work and um josh says he wants to melt the wizard but then i can't remember if he like runs out of time to give his response of like what do you melt him with Um, something like that but he isn't able to and then toward the end he loads up when he's missing his old life as a kid he loads up the video game again and plays and he actually is able to defeat the wizard so it's like a little you know tie in there
1: yeah i didn't catch on to it until you told me about that i don't know why i didn't catch on to it like that
0: just a small detail (laughs) honestly not that important no, but it is because it is the opening shot and it
1: comes back. Mm-hmm. So like it is like we were paying attention. So obviously, I mean, I did kind of
0: <laughs> fall asleep, but
1: I was tired. I fell asleep during my master Chef last night too. So like, oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> then you know. know you're tired because.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I say. If I fall asleep during my master Chef, then, you know, it's real. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, he does have that crush on that girl who likes this guy who has his license and I'm like but how old are you I don't get how old are you yeah. and how old
0: is that guy who has his license like what I you know it's iffy I'm like okay maybe at the beginning of the movie he's 12 he turns 13 in like the middle at the middle of the film and then I think we're supposed to think that Cynthia is like a year or two older than him and then she so Billy goes to the carnival with his family and he sees this girl who he has a crush on, named Cynthia, in line for this scary roller coaster. And he decides that he's gonna try to like, oh, like, accidentally bump into her, and then oh, like, wouldn't it be so silly if we just rode together? But um, this older guy, who Cynthia says has his license, so like maybe she's like fourteen and he's sixteen. Like that's not not too bad, I guess. But
1: I know I did not have my car and
0: license. Yeah. By early. I was like
1: 17 when I got it.
0: Yeah, it takes it takes a lot of time. <laughs> um, anyway, so she ends up going with this older guy and then Josh learns that he isn't even tall enough to ride the ride to begin with. And so that's when he goes to he finds the Zoltar machine. He wishes he was big and then he turns into Tom Hanks.
1: I am. But that's a, that's a wish I think anyone would want. Come on. Let me find a Zoltar machine, pop a coin, and who should I become next? Hmm. Beyonce. Oh,
0: Probably someone in. else
1: before this. Who knows? I might have been. My past life. Ooh. You know what's a funny quote? He's like, okay, but as long as I'm on top.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: but like, you know, he says it nonchalantly because as a kid you wouldn't know, but as a grown up you're like, oh, he said,
0: oh. <laughs> and she's like, what? Um, yeah, because she's like, oh, you mean like have a sleepover? Because she's like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to do this yet, and he doesn't really understand. And then he's like, okay, well, as long as I get to be on top, exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah that was that was fun there were a lot of just really fun lines i liked um when josh is interviewing for his job and he's like um talking about so he says he went to george washington which not the not the college but his boss interprets that as the college and um he goes oh like did you pledge and he says yes every day (laughs) Um,
1: and the boss looks at him weirdly. Like, what?
0: Yeah. Um, but like they
1: didn't catch on. Like anything that he would say, they never caught on. And that's what I'm saying. There was no interpretation that anyone got suspicious. Only that one dude who became jealous that he was ranking up mm-hmm. so high so quickly. But that was it. He yeah. was just accepted the fact that he acted like a child.
0: Yeah, I love that scene where so the guy Paul is um, the character. I think. You're talking about he and Susan are having breakfast and Paul's saying, like, oh, I'm suspicious of this guy. He came out of nowhere. Nobody knows, like, what he did before this, why he's risen up the ranks so quickly. And she's like, I don't know. And she picks up the milk carton and on the side is a picture of Josh. Yeah, because it used to have missing kids
1: on the milk cartons.
0: Yeah, I've never seen that before, but... I guess back then they did. Back
1: in our, before our time, Jackie.
0: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I wonder, if I were to look it up right now, when did the milk carton stop? It might show up. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Let me Google it. A uh, decline of use, 1996. So but Okay, so it begun mm, to fade in the, in the 1980s. And then the Amber Alert system was created in 1996,
0: Mm, so that makes
1: sense. It was more technically, like, (laughs) better than seeing someone on a milk carton, so... Yeah,
0: it's a little more automatic to, like, get a text or something than to just, like, hope that people are buying milk that week.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: But I really like the scene, too, where Josh gets his first paycheck, And then he and Billy go to the bank and the teller asks them how they want it. And they, like, have a little consultation to the side. And they come back and they say three dimes, a $100 bill, and 87 ones. Yeah. Which is just, like, only a kid would want um, 87 ones. Or maybe somebody going to the strip club. I don't know. Yeah, definitely
1: someone going to the strip club.
0: (laughs) But the piano scene is... Iconic. It's a scene that I think of when I think about Big. Like, that's the visual that comes to mind when I think about this movie.
1: It's a really good scene.
0: Yeah, and it's also like you see that Josh's boss is kind of realizing, I guess, Josh's potential too. And also like connecting with um, his inner child as well, which is very sweet. Yeah, exactly oh also the baby corn moment that's another iconic little thing that people always talk about from big and i actually learned that that was improvised by tom hanks it wasn't in the script he just decided to eat a little baby corn like that
1: of course of course tom hanks
0: icon status legends only
1: another scene that caught my attention was when they did get the hotel and there was like he heard gunshots outside his window and like just crazy stuff happening. And then he gets accustomed to it. Cause he's like, Oh, it's whatever. Mm. That resonates so much to like New York city life where people hear gunshots outside their window and they're like, Oh, okay. It's fine. Oh, wow. Like they get so accustomed to it, which is obviously it's not something that's so nice to listen to. <laughs> it's obviously not pleasant to be listening to gunshots at night. But I know that's something that me and Casey had to deal with when we were living at the other apartment is listening to gunshots or whatever they were I don't even know if they were fire- gunshots fireworks god knows what it was towards mm-hmm. the end like the characters really didn't like I didn't get like a connection with the characters like I didn't feel the same connection that I felt when I watched the farewell like you know I felt like mm-hmm. an emotional connection with these characters I feel like there wasn't so much um, emphasis put into, like, getting very emotionally involved with these characters. I guess just Josh's journey through, like, adulthood and him coming back. Like, that was, like, an emotional thing. But it was weird still that this 28-year-old woman, even knowing that he was a 13-year-old boy, because she he finally, like, tells her, She's, Mm -hmm. like, still, like, by his side. And I get it, but it still feels like there's, like, a relationship there. And it's,
0: like, weird. No, for sure. Like, I guess they try to, like, kind of make it seem okay. Because at the end, when she drops Josh off at his house, they, like, look like they're gonna kiss, maybe. Which is, like, um, But she gives him a kiss on the forehead instead. So it's kind of like a different type of relationship now. But it's like, <laughs> like you guys had sex, kind of Like, oh my god, I don't know how to feel about it. It's also strange because, well, Susan at first doesn't believe Josh, which makes sense. Like, who would believe him when he tries to say that he's a 13-year-old? And I really liked when he goes, I th- I'm 13 years old. And then she says, and who isn't you think there isn't a frightened kid inside of me too that's very um i don't know central to the theme of the movie and, and it's funny too at first she thinks because he says like i miss my family she thinks he's married but then he goes on and then she thinks he's not ready to commit to her and it's like no i'm actually a tween like ma'am but, but she, she didn't said really, that she like, was gonna wait for him yeah ooh, like, i don't like I'll that I'll wait for
1: you in 10 years when you come back or whatever or like i won't change my number in the next 10 years like that pretty much just she'll wait for him which is like yeah, yeah no it's
0: weird what the hell um i don't know susan can't think it's right canceled. for
1: cougars
0: <laughs> gross oh my god
1: She likes but- the young men.
0: She, like, didn't really, when she realized that he was telling the truth, like, they go to the Zoltar machine and everything, and then when she takes him home, like, she didn't really freak out, you know? Like, initially, she was, like, she didn't believe him, but she didn't really freak out that, like, he actually is a 13-year-old kid. Like, I think I'd be, like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> That's
1: what I'm saying. She still wanted to stick by his side. like
0: Yeah. She knew
1: that, because he was, like, Go oh, come with me. Like, she knew she couldn't go back. She didn't Mm -hmm. want to go back for a reason because I think she was trying to get a message across like you might be enjoying your teen years, but not everyone enjoyed that time of their lives.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: She wouldn't want to go back is the message that I was getting.
0: Yeah, yeah. She said like, I've already done that once. That was hard enough, basically. So, yeah, I mean, like, and also that childhood or like teenage years are a very I guess specific time in your life and like you're never gonna have them again like I I don't know but I thought okay so like thematically Billy kind of represents like Josh's childhood right and he's trying to his inner child and he's trying to remind him like remember who you really are um, remember why you're here why we're doing this and then Susan represents this opposite kind of pull, like the pull, the appeal of adulthood. And like, it's very alluring to Josh to grow up really quickly. And initially in the movie, that's what he thinks he wants. He just, he wants to be big, but we see by the end that really he's realized this has all come too quickly and he still really wants to be a kid. And that's kind of his lesson throughout the the film.
1: Yeah, no, because I think that's a message to all kids. We want to grow up so quickly, and adults tell us all the time, just wait till you're an adult, you're not gonna like it. Yeah, we do have the freedom when we're an adult, but it is a lot of responsibility, a lot of things that they don't freaking prepare you for, and a lot of things that you have to learn as you go life lessons and you learn the hard way but that's the only way that you're going to grow in life you have to realize that you know you live and you learn
0: yeah definitely and i think part of the film too is kind of like saying even if you are an adult don't lose touch with your inner kid yeah you know
1: which i have yet to do i still like my kid stuff Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's what really touches my heart is reflecting on what i grew up doing like, what I grew up watching, like, I like watching, like, the 90s shows that come back on, on, like, Make a Night or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, Hey Arnold, there's Rugrats. But just seeing what I used to watch as a kid, and I, I don't fully watch the episodes all like that all the time. But just, like, those little things, Sailor Moon, I started trying to catch back up on. Mortal Kombat, I downloaded on the nintendo switch that i wanted to get back into playing because like that's what i played as a kid so it's like things that i get did as a kid i like still incorporated incorporating that into like my adulthood
0: life it's a really sweet movie it's kind of simple like plot wise but um really cool to see this film that is historic you know the first film directed by a woman to make over a hundred million dollars at the U.S. box office. Like that is reason to watch it enough. And then Tom Hanks is the second reason.
1: So thank you all for listening. This has been Film Spill, a movie night podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and now TikTok at Film Spill Pod. Tell a friend about the podcast if you like and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find Film Spill as well. You can also support the podcast at Pod on PayPal.
0: And a special thanks to Onyx Films for promoting us. You can check out Onyx's other projects, including some of our short films and the Based on Her True Story anthology, which is out August 20th at onyx-films.com. Next week, we'll be back with our much-anticipated episode on Jennifer's Body, directed by Karin Kusama, and written by Diablo Cody, with Aspen Nelson, a producer and writer with Onyx. This week's episode was edited by the wonderful Chelsea. The cover art was done by me, Jackie. And until then, don't cry over a spilled film.